Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, 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 friends. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Ben Sternke, one of your hosts, and we've got an interesting slash different kind of episode for you today. Uh, Instead of uh, interviewing someone who's written a book usually uh, about some of these things, we are talking today. Matt and I are going to talk with uh, Mallory Ruark, who is one of our preachers. She's on our preaching team at the church that Matt and I co-pastor together, The Table here in Indianapolis. And uh, as part of our series on being a Christian in America, we wanted to chat a little bit about what we're learning as we preach through the Sermon on the Mount locally. So um, eager to bring that uh, little conversation to you today, because a lot of what we're learning is blowing my mind. Um, It's not how I saw the Sermon on the Mount even just three years ago. So it's kind of, uh, it's, it's been an amazing journey of learning. So eager to bring that to you. Just wanted to bring one announcement to you before we uh, dive into that. And that announcement is that we are doing a Church in the Wild workshop uh, coming up here online, November 13th and 14th. Encourage you to check that out if you're interested in what it looks like to be the body of Christ when we're not in charge anymore. Um, basically, it's it's about Christian witness in a post-Christendom world. So check it out. Um, we are doing it again online. Tickets are only thirty-five bucks. Um, hope to see you there. I think that's the only announcement for today. We'll dive into this conversation on how the Sermon on the Mount can speak to us today in the midst of uh, what it looks like to be a Christian in America in this uh, very uh, difficult and tumultuous time. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Welcome back. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're lost on the internet and you don't know what's happening right now, but let me just assure you, you're in a good place and we are good. Stick with us. We're good people. That voice, that voice you just heard is Ben Sternke. I'm Matt Tebby. That's me. And we're joined by our friend, our friend and collaborator, holy collaborator in Mm. godly mischief, Mallory Ruark. Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) Mallory. Hi, thanks for having me. Mallory actually works for Gravity. You know, we didn't even think about that, but she actually does uh, great it's work true. from her. If you contact us, Mallory, you hear, you hear from Mallory. She uh, is our administrator and does a lot of behind the scenes work for Gravity, but she's also a member of our church, The Table, um, an Anglican church in Indianapolis, and she's on our preaching team at The mm-hmm. Table. She's one of six preachers, uh, Ben and I being two, and then Mallory, another woman. Uh, with the same last name as you, Ben. It's weird. Deb Sternke is her name. Yeah, Sternke is a really rare name. It's weird that we got two of them in the same church. Two of them in the same church. We also also have two preachers named Ruark, which is also weird. (laughs) We do. We do. Uh, One of uh, Mallory's roommates, Spencer, um, he's preaching as well. And then we have... uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and and um, one of the, the the series we're in right now is we're we're talking about the complexities, the challenges, maybe even the potentialities, the possibilities of being a Christian in America. And I was just telling you two before we hit record. Um, sometimes may, maybe there's two ways that we get that wrong, uh, among others. One is is that we think that there's that being a Christian and being an American have little to do with each other because one's One's about real world things, America, and the other is about spiritual things. And so there's a separation of church and state because they are two different spheres and they have two different, they, the two different areas of knowledge and what, uh, what they're speaking to. The other thing maybe is uh, something I'm more in touch with, which is to be a Christian in America means you have a certain political ideology of a you vote a certain way you care about certain things and basically um uh, an american ideology gets mapped onto christianity yeah and what we're trying to do is just pull those apart and say hey there's there's christians that live in guatemala then they make really rotten americans <laughs> or there's christians <laughs> that live in norway and they'd make really rotten americans uh, meaning they don't see this the world the same way we do and so what we've been trying to do is just Maybe hold up Jesus, hold up Scripture uh, to to our local, to our context, our social location, and just ask again: What does it mean to be a faithful uh, Christian in America? And the way we're doing this locally at our church is we're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. We're we're preaching a, a sermon series, uh, Matthew five through seven, uh, here in the the last several months through the end of November on living what we're calling the politics of Jesus in a partisan America. You know, we have an election coming up really soon. We've been dealing with mm -hmm. uh, the pro proliferation of maybe division around partisan politics. And so we're taking a look at the politics of Jesus and asking, does he have anything to say about how we conceive of politics in America? And so Mallory is our uh, resident expert on all these matters. <laughs> So we've asked her to come on today, and uh, yeah, Mallory, what? Maybe just to open us up here, what are some of the things that, as you as you listen weekly, as you read Sermon on the Mount, as you've been as you've preached the Sermon on the Mount among us, like what are some of the things you're noticing or realizing about Jesus's politic and how that maybe is in contrast or tension with American politics? That is a great question. Um, yeah, so I think it would be helpful to like give some backstory. I grew up, uh, in the dirty South, so, um, <laughs> you can imagine kind of my worldview. I grew up in the evangelical church and mm. kind of like what you said, those things are really synonymous. They're not separate, how you vote, all of those things are the same. And so I think for me, um, having kind of come alongside you guys with the table and gravity and reworked a lot of my paradigms, like going through uh, GLA, all of those things. I feel like my, my, I've just done this 180. And so I think being able to go back to this just incredible passage of scripture with those things, like ha that work that's been done, like in my, in my life, in my heart um, and like getting to, look at what scripture says, what Jesus says through a different hermeneutic and through a different perspective. Hmm. Um, I find myself just like blown away uh, 
all over again, like with who Jesus was and what he has to mm. say and how he says it to people. He's so witty and cheeky and, you know, he's like this charisma that just draws you into scripture. Yeah. And um, one of my, I mean, my good news proclamation when I preach was that, or part of it was that Jesus didn't give us this sit down and take it gospel. And I feel like that was kind of how I grew up with like, hold fast, hold tight, hope for the mm. best. And one day everything's going to be fine. And then I think going back through the Sermon on the Mount now, it's like, oh, actually Jesus gave me legitimate ways to like live and like really live in the here mm. and now and not just hope for forever, you know, not just hope yeah. that, you know, the other side of heaven is going to be great. Um, and so I think what I'm learning is like Jesus met people in their reality uh, and he meets me in mine now. And the stuff that he gave, uh, the problems that were faced then are the same ones we're facing now. And he gave us like practical solutions to interact with them. Yeah. So what, what you're describing is then Jesus's kingdom that he came to bring is mm -hmm. actually a politic meaning it's it's actually a way of arranging and ordering ourselves in community and it addresses questions like what is money for what are people for what is justice yeah. mm. what do, what is prop what is property how do we define it those kinds of things yeah yeah yes what yeah, is governance what is governance for what is good governance what is that how do yeah. we organize ourselves yeah totally this is huge, right? Because uh, I think oftentimes we think of those things as secular, worldly, earthly concerns, and Jesus yeah. is concerned more about otherworldly or spiritual or heavenly things. Um, and one of the things we're noticing as we come back to the Sermon on the Mount, paying particular attention to Jesus's context, is that you can't separate those two things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't separate worldly and heavenly. Jesus certainly doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ben, right? Like, what do you, Ben? How does that? What are you noticing yeah. as we talk through that? Yeah, I, uh, we, you know, so one of the things that's interesting, we preached through this three years ago. We're kind of Sermon on the Mount uh, junkies, apparently, um, and so every three years we preach through the Sermon on the Mount. But we preached through this at our church three years ago, and um, one of the things that's interesting is the, like, there's a naming this series. We're not preaching. We're not just taking our old notes essentially, and kind of going through them, because I think we have a, a, a bit of a new perspective that's come from, you know, some of the reading that we've done and some of the, um, yeah, so just some of the research into like what is actually happening uh, in this sermon. Um, and so I think that's been one of the paradigm shift is, uh, is realizing Jesus isn't just, I think I used to read the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus' recommendations for like private piety. Like, yeah. here's how to be a good moral person. Here's how to be a nice person. And, you know, being a nice person is probably better than being a mean jerk. So that's good. You know, that's a, that's a decent thing you can get out of the sermon. But Jesus was doing so much more than that. Um, when you when you really look at um, how what he was saying was a politic, it was a way of arranging human relationships. Um, it was a way of dealing with all of the problems that come up when you have to live with other people. Um, and it was a way of navigating human life together as a community, which means it was political. And so the Sermon on the Mount being political is one of those big, it was, it was a big, it's, it has been and continues to be a big paradigm shift is realizing that this, this deals 
way more with how we relate to one another as a community centered on Jesus, not um, not how to fit into the American political binary, hmm. you know, or or how to find your spot on the on the you know, like, are we a moderate? Are we conservative? Are we liberal? Yeah. But how to like follow Jesus is you're, you're blowing up those categories and saying actually we don't uh, we we don't center our we don't find our uh, theological kind of uh, center point by navigating some midway point between you know right and left, mm. but that we we tr- we're trying to center on Jesus and let the chips fall where they may, and let uh, let the Sermon on the Mount kind of uh, blow things up for us yeah. Um, yeah. here locally. So. Well, I wonder then, Mallory, if you can give us a few examples of this. Like, what what have you heard or what have you preached? What have we preached through in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is actually uh, talking about worldly justice, uh, or mm. he's speaking directly to earthly concerns, not just personal piety or trying to make us feel bad for not being able to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, so my roommate, uh, Spencer, um, <laughs> aka husband, uh, he preached on uh, the, <laughs> also, the also my husband. Yes, <laughs> important. Um, Congrats, by the way. Congrats. The, thank you. Thank um, the After beatitudes. Sorry, I'm sorry. We are goofing off. We are goofing. We off. are. This is too much goofing off. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Mallory. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he preached on the Beatitudes and I think for so, for so long, like the, like the American gospel is like, be happy, have more, do more, you know, get to the top, look good doing it. Uh, and like reeling it back in that like, no, like Jesus says it's good work to be sad. Jesus says it's good work to fight for injustice. Um, I think that, um, that one like really like. I don't know, like for so long, you just don't realize how much we have uh, as white Christians have like overtaken and like reworded this entire like good news. Um, And then whenever I preached, I preached on uh, the portion of loving your enemies. And I think, you know, those two teachings, like the Beatitudes and the loving your enemies is like, well, those are good ideas. Those, those I should just strive harder Hmm. Blessed are the meek. I should be, I mean, as a female, I'm like socialized to be meek and keep my mouth shut. Right. right. Um, and so like all of these things, it's like, these are just things that I need to like do, do better, do more, you know, work, 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 work. Hopefully these works like do some good work in me at some point. Um, but I think being able to like dive into the context and who Jesus is talking to and realizing like he's talking to these marginalized people who have just been through the ringer, you know, these oppressed people, people who have no power, people who have no way to get to the top and look good doing it. Uh, like realizing those are the people that he's addressing, not this like American scheme or hope for, hope for um, you know, in the gospel. I think, yeah, just like realizing that he's reworked so many like social things, like, and power dynamics within a context and realizing like, oh, we Americans aren't who he was talking to. In fact, (laughs) who he was talking to were the people like us doing those things to the oppressed Mm. and marginalized people. I think being able to, to realize uh, as Christians in America who 
try so hard to victimize ourselves. Um, oh, mm. actually, Jesus is saying what I'm doing isn't the best work for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, this power and yeah. all of this stuff, like it just doesn't do that good work, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's been really eye-opening um, mm. to realize that Jesus is on the side of the people who don't have anybody fighting for them or anybody standing up for them. Um, who don't feel like there's another way. And he's like, well, actually, here's a new mm. kingdom way, and it's better than anything you could have imagined. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, that, that, that names for me, Mallory, like one of the big paradigm shifts that I'm noticing as I read the Sermon on the Mount is realizing it isn't just that Jesus was critiquing like, you know, the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. So the, the most recent time I preached, I preached on, um, you know, you've heard it said, mm -hmm. do not murder, but I say to you, don't be angry. You've heard it said, but I say to you. So the, the, um, those kind of juxtapositions that Jesus does. And I think I used to read it as, um, as Jesus sort of saying, you know, you've, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I'm, I'm going to make it harder for you. Um, now you yeah. can't even be angry, right? Yeah. Like, boom, yes. like, gotcha. Like, do you feel bad? <laughs> do you need mercy? Um, but, um, but what uh, I've been blown away to realize that what Jesus is doing here is critiquing what he calls the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, which isn't, it's like, um, like Willard talks about it as surface level righteousness. And it is that, but it's more than that. It's more because than that. it's surface level righteousness Right. It's more than that. It's surface level righteousness that is meant to oppress and uh, maintain privilege and power for those who are practicing it. So they would sort of assign a, a rating to these commandments and say, like, here's a really important commandment uh, that you need to keep. Um, and then you can do that to the detriment of these other commandments. Yeah. Um, but, but with the way that that functioned in their community was that they could sort of demonstrate, I've kept these commands and therefore I am righteous, and yeah. therefore God has blessed me, and therefore I'm staying in power, and you don't have access to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like all the other things that Jesus says to the Pharisees later on are the reasons why the surface-level righteousness was being practiced and why it wasn't sufficient. It's, it's you know, you, you tie up loads and put them on people's backs, but you won't lift a finger to help them. Like you, you go, you travel so far to make a disciple, but then like once, once you, they become like you, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. Like yeah. there, there's a, there's a reason that this surface level righteousness isn't sufficient. It's because it's actually employed in the service of injustice. Yeah. There it is. There it is. It's, it's using piety for injustice, yeah. using religion to perpetuate uh, evil. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so so one of the things we're teasing out here is that Jesus is speaking to crowds of people from the Decapolis, from Galilee, and these aren't these aren't like the movers and shakers of culture. And there were mm -hmm. definitive narratives, like you were saying, Mallory, blessed are the rich, because that means God has blessed you. And this there's a stream yeah, in the Old Testament. There's a stream in the Old Testament that links wealth with blessing, right? Yeah. And so, and so there was a dominant way of seeing the world that if you were poor, you obviously weren't blessed. You probably did something wrong. And if you would just keep Torah, if you would just keep covenant, if you would just be more pious, offer more oblations, then you would gain wealth as well. Right? 
So yeah. there was this there was this meritocracy that had been set up within Israel that that actually worked to keep marginalized people marginalized and to ensconce and consolidate the power of the pious. But the piety they were practicing was at the expense of other people, so it was actually injustice. So then, like you said, Ben, the righteousness, which is the same word as justice, that it that goes uh, that exceeds that of the Pharisees, isn't trying harder to be better. It's a justice that brings healing and liberation and freedom and renewal and recreation and redemption mm-hmm. to those yeah. who are oppressed. And that's yeah. a totally different way of looking at it. Yeah, go ahead, Mallory. What'd you say? Yeah, uh, I was just going to say it breaks the cycle, you know. Um, mm. I was preaching on the love your enemies and the law of reciprocity. And, you know, what what's done to you, you can do it back, but nothing more than that. You know, it's this trying to hone in so that people didn't just like murder entire family groups. Um, but it's still yeah. a back and forth. There's still this like taking into account and tally marks and this running ledger of how do you make sure you have everything that was owed you and they owe you. And like, Jesus is like, no, like this will, this will crush you living this way will crush you. Mm -hmm. Here is freedom. Here is the kingdom so that you can step out of this us versus them and realize that your shame is their shame. You are the same. Like your hurt is hurt. They have hurt. You know, we are, you're all made in, in the image of God. And like this, this isn't how you were supposed to live. This isn't what I created you for. And so he, he just opens up this new way to be like, let's break this cycle and like live into the fullness of the kingdom. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10 month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you, so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission, and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. So like then to bring this to present day, like an eye for an eye was instituted in the Old Testament to limit injustice. But in Jesus's day, it was using to validate and legitimize injustice. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, And even in our day, we take eye for an eye as warrant to uh, to punish the same way we've been punished. But Jesus, all through the Sermon on the Mount, reveals like the heartbeat of my ethic, the logic of my government isn't tit for tat. It's this uh, inclusion of love that uh, is meant to be reconciling, healing, and renewing. So if you're titting for tatting, (laughs) that's better than revenge cycles of killing. But you you are miles away from this reconciling work that my kingdom wants to do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. This is like the reveal of a uh, mm. spoiler alert if you haven't watched The Good Place. Uh, but it's like they've the had reveal. enough time. <laughs> yeah, right. It's on you uh, right now. <laughs> like it's the reveal that they've been in this place that's like kind of good and it's kind of working. And all of a sudden they realize, like, wait, 
we're actually in the bad place. Like this is torture. (laughs) It's like that. It feels like that. Like here's all of these rules that we've like comprised like together to like do quote unquote good work for us. When actually it's been killing us. And the real good place is realizing reconciliation and redemption is the way to the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And even for the, even for the oppressors, right? Like Jesus call to them is, is different because they're engaging in something different than the oppressed. But even for the oppressors, this is, this is the bad place. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not actually doing any good work for anybody yeah. in this system. Like the, the system where it's us versus them, where somebody has to be on top and sort of determine the lives of other people. Like that whole system is what Jesus is calling into question and saying, what if you belong to each other? What if you actually, like you, you said, Mallory, like what if you, their shame is your shame? Like what if you treated them as if you were in solidarity with them? What if you treated them as your family? Yeah. And you know that, that ultimately is what gets expressed in the rest of the New Testament, right? That's the gospel is Jews and Gentiles are one family. They're one people. Yes. Um, and, and this feels to me like, uh, I don't know, like the th- it, it feels to me a little bit like the theory of everything behind what Jesus is doing here. <laughs> Right, where he's saying like, you guys find so many ways to divide up into teams that are that are like you find your security in being part of the team, and you you identify yourself as being part of the team and against these other people. There's this us versus them um, instinct in sinful humanity, and Jesus comes to basically blow that up and say, that's not actually true. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that, and and behaving as if it is is killing you and killing them, and and it's it's not working. And yeah. he, he calls us into something better in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Yeah. So then, how does this speak to partisan America? How does this give us a compass to navigate the right-left binary, the divide that separates us at Thanksgiving dinner where we can't even talk to grandma. (laughs) That's not relevant at all. Are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, so what what does Jesus have to say to us in this moment? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think... um, I think for Americans, I'm thinking for me too specifically, there's there's not much in my life that isn't run through a meritocracy. And so I, I yeah, think let's, I was let's unpack that. What do we what do we mean by that? Right. I use that word and I, let's just what, what do we when we say meritocracy, yeah. what do you, what are you referring to? Yeah, I think um like earning a spot, earning your place, your significance. Um mm. I think of, you know, you're in school and like, you know there's a valedictorian, you know, like there's just so many different areas. It's like, well, this person's the best of the best. This person's mediocre. This person didn't really know what they're doing. Um, even in like my kids playing, you know, which one's in charge, you know, like there's this like hierarchy and they like figure it out. I don't know how they do it. You know, it's like human condition to like, there's a king and queen here and then the rest are following suit. Um, and so I just kind of think of that, like a meritocracy being a hierarchy of power or hierarchy of, um, goods or talents that are leveraged to like give yourself a place. Um, yeah. So I think that's what I mean by meritocracy. So I think, um, yeah, when I think of this, it's hard to stomach it at times because there's few things in my life that don't run that way. 
right? Like hmm. it's hard. It's almost like, um, and I think I was telling Ben this, or maybe it was you, but it was like the Sermon on the Mount is almost this like Rosetta Stone <laughs> of like how to like translate what Jesus was talking about in the kingdom of God into these uh, ways that we've commandeered to like figure out life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think um, so many of these principles, like we we try so hard to like take them and turn them into like some legalized rules. Like we just kind of further the, uh, the system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I should be meek. I should be poor. I should be X, Y, Z. But I think if we look at them kind of like what Ben was saying is like the theory of everything. And instead of turning them into more rules to follow or more things to hope or, you know, crush yourself enough that you'll be formed into something you want to be. Um, if we can hold them loosely, I think that they speak to every area of our lives, you know, like there's mm. good news and nuggets to pull from, um, instead of turning them into to do's mm-hmm. like realizing like there's, there's so many things that he addresses, um, yeah. in, in this passage that it, I mean, it does, it applies to almost mm-hmm. everything. I mean, I, I have yeah. so weird saying everything, but it does feel like that. Like there's this, <laughs> yeah. every like if they fall into the, the different categories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I hear you like um, saying that we can hold loosely maybe to some of these things that we held tightly onto before. And maybe to make that a little bit more specific and something that I'm thinking about is you know if in the if in Jesus day the pharisees used the law right they had the torah that was like they turned that into um something like and uh, we were just recording something else here where we use this term a lot an empty signifier mm-hmm. where basically like it 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 became this badge that i wear that all it does is indicate what team i'm on yeah. And it doesn't actually, it's been empty, it's been evacuated of meaning, right? So like you've heard it said, do not murder. But, you know, you've taken this command, which was meant to help Israel learn what it looks like to, to live together in community. And like, wh- you know, what do you do when you're angry with somebody? Well, you know, first of all, don't murder them. Like, <laughs> like <Yes. laughs> you know, bottom level, don't murder them, right? But that was meant to point to this this way of flourishing, right? And so but they took that command, which was a good command of God, and they took it and they turned it into something that justified their oppression and just indicated, I'm doing the right thing here because, you know, even though I'm destroying this person's life uh, by oppressing them um, because they, because I'm angry with them, right? Uh, I'm not murdering them, am I? So th- I'm allowed to do this, right? So they kind of turn it into the opposite of what it was meant to to be all along. So I'm I'm thinking about those kinds of things. Yeah. Like what kinds of things today yep. are empty signifiers in a way? What kinds of things today do we have that are you know meant to sort of indicate some sort of moral righteousness? They're like they're they're meant to indicate that we're on the right side of uh, you know what it means to be moral and righteous and just. Yeah. Um, and are actually doing the opposite work where they're just indicating, oh, you're on the right or you're on the left or you're, you know, this kind of person or that kind of person. Um, and, and learning, I guess, to decipher some of those things uh, has been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, yeah. I mean, we were talking on another uh, podcast, Matt, about, you know, the way that sexual purity, for example, was that kind of thing for a lot of people growing up 
uh, in the evangelical church, where it's like, okay, in and of itself, sure, we could make some biblical arguments about why that's good, right? There's Bible passages about that, and you know, it's very clearly a teaching of the church and all of that kind of thing. But it was cr- it was made into this form of piety that actually accomplished the opposite yeah. of what it was meant to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that. Yeah, it is interesting. I, as you were saying that, I was actually thinking of like uh, marriage dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, blessed are the meek is normally given to like the women. <laughs> Be meek and humble <laughs> and submit, <laughs> you know, um, but it robs you of your mutual relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. um, if you if you do it in mutuality, there's a different formation and byproduct than if there's some kind of power dynamic in play. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about this example where Jesus talks about, um, you know, you're going to, uh, like, is it, is it do not murder? I say, don't be angry. And, um, and if you have something against somebody, then work it out before you get to court. Cause I like, if you, mm-hmm. um, if, if you don't, aren't they going to tear drag you into court? Well, like in our day, like we don't necessarily think of the courts as, okay, this is for white affluent Christians. We don't think as the courts as a means of oppression. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to the poor and the marginalized people of color, black people, indigenous persons, they will most definitely tell you that the courts and the criminal justice systems are used to maintain power and exploit the weak and the poor and the marginalized. And I was just thinking about Jesus's example in that text about how he talks about, you're going to be dragged into courts. And we just think, well, this is why we shouldn't sue Christians. Right. <laughs> right? But, right. But that's yeah. not what he's talking about. I, I was reminded of James 2. Uh, I had to look this up. Yeah, listen to this. This is James 2, chapter 5. I'm sorry. James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor of the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom? And has he promised uh, that he has promised to those who love them? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? <laughs> so, like, in Jesus' day, it wasn't the poor that dragged the rich into court. They didn't have any regress right. or, or re- recompense when things went wrong. It was the rich who drug the poor into court. It was the men who drug the adulterous women in front of other men. And and Jesus's teaching then is about redressing and bringing uh, and resti- bringing restitution to those people. Um, and so for me then, when I think about empty signifiers, Ben, to get to your question, that was a long <laughs> preamble. Uh, we can all agree. Amen. Uh, that it's it's what is used by people with power to maintain their power at the expense of other people. Yes. What is used by people of power? What religious or spiritual or sanctimonious or pious idea or behavior is used by people who have status and power. And, and maybe wealth even, as a way to justify and, and validate and secure and consolidate their power. Mm-hmm. 
right? Um, I think it's easier to point to other traditions that do it. So I can point to like health and wealth. I can point to Creflo Dollar, you know, and say, um, <laughs> when you say the more blessed you are, the more rich you'll be. And then of course you'll be the richest person in the room because you're hashtag, 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 bless, bless, bless. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it makes, it makes total sense then that you'd get all the money because you're on the top. Of, so it's easy for me to look at other traditions, other Christian traditions and see how they're doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's harder to look at my own people, my own tradition and say, how do we use piety, virtue, mm -hmm. godliness in an ungodly way? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's meddling here, but um, I mean, one of the things that comes to mind is the way that uh, the language of pro-life has been used by evangelicals, right? Um, and what yeah, I mean by that, that is Jesus. So yeah, so the way that we the way that we think about being pro-life, and this has been pointed out by a lot of people. So this isn't. Uh, I hope this isn't too far, you know, too controversial for our listeners. But you know, th they've pointed out the um, the contradiction. Right of making pro being pro life is only about this one issue. It's about the unborn. It's about you know uh, abortion, um, and and it being only about that one issue, um, rather than having this expansive view of what it might mean to be pro life when it comes to uh, kids in cages at the border, or capital punishment, or you know uh, like a lot of these uh, war even like a lot of these other issues that like ostensibly if we were being honest about it. Well, sure, we want to be consistently like have an ethic that meant I I am for life. I'm against death. <laughs> you know, like we'd yes. want to do that. But in practice, um, a lot of the ways that the the right at least has sort of taken that issue and just made it into a a rallying cry that motivates a base to to do some voting work every four years, right? Um, rather than it being like a consistent way to live out justice. Uh, at, in community with each other, so that 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 strikes me as one of the ways that I think we use sanctimonious language, and we use legit. And here's the other thing: so Jesus does this when he talks about prayer and giving and fasting, right? So yes. prayer and giving and fasting these these were other things that that the wealthy and the privileged and the powerful used as ways of maintaining their power, right? So they use these things to maintain their power. Jesus finds a way in the Sermon on the Mount to critique the way that they're praying and giving and fasting without saying that praying, giving, and fasting are wrong. Yes. He finds a way to say, hey, when you do this, do it like this. Don't do it like the hypocrites. They're just pretending to pray. They're yes. just pretending to fast. They're just, you know, they're pretending to interact with God, but they're not really doing it. They're doing something else. That's what he means by hypocrite, right? It's a you're, you're play acting. You're just yeah. you're acting, and yeah. so I think it needs to be. Uh, we need to be able as Christians to be able to do the same thing. Then, right? We need to be able to say, "Hey, we can critique the way that this language of being pro-life has been utilized by the powerful to oppress, without abandoning the goodness of what it might mean to be pro-life." Yeah. We should be able to do that, I think, if we're going to follow yeah. Jesus. Yeah. We should be able to do that. I'm hearing Jesus now say, you've heard it said, you must be pro-life. But I say, don't <laughs> just be pro-birth, but actually care for all of life. <laughs> right. Amen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And see, that's, that's, the, that's one of the difficulties with being a Christian in America, is we don't feel like we can have that choice. 
because the way because the way yeah. it's right the way it's defined is there's one people that are pro life one people that are pro choice maybe also pro abortion depending on who like who gets to frame it and you don't like the way pro life is being used you also don't think you want to be pro abortion so what does that leave you to do? like you have nothing to do your 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 imagination for how to be moral or virtuous ends with the partisan right and left and i think yeah. I think then what we want to do in the series that we're doing at our church, but also in the series with Gravity, is to say, what if we built a new imagination that's centered yeah. on Jesus, that doesn't capitulate or be syncretistic with America, but that actually says yes to the places America gets it right and critiques and calls America to repentance in the places it gets it wrong and let the chips fall where they may? You know? Yes. Yes. And I think... Yeah. It's, uh, I think we'd be fooling ourselves. I mean, I think it's a little um, pretentious to think that a podcast series is going to do all that. I'm just saying we're, <laughs> we're, we're not doing all that work here, but we're agitating yeah. for it. Yeah, we're trying to agitate yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Totally, yeah. And I think, you know, part of last week's podcast with Lee Camp um, was, oh, is baby. part of the way that we're thinking about, like his book, I just want to commend it to our listeners again. His book, Scandalous Witness, has been really helpful for us in terms of shaping this sermon series and the way that we're thinking about um, the Sermon on the Mount, the way that we're thinking about what Jesus is sort of speaking to us today uh, in the midst of that. But yeah, that's yeah. that's the goal. We're trying to we're trying to just share what we're learning um, and agitate for a better way in the midst of these uh, you know tumultuous times. Yeah. Mm. All right. Last word, All Mallory. Right. Yep, last word. It's probably enough for now, except for Mallory's last word. My last word. <laughs> and for those who couldn't just hear me yawn uncontrollably, I think they're picking on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I think for me, I would just encourage um, the listeners, um, and this is something that I'm doing, it's just being curious about where we, me specifically, as a white um, post evangelical where mm. I've commandeered the gospel mm. for my own power piety. Um, I think that so many times we can see the places where we've been, um, leveraged, like as a female who, you know, wants to be in ministry her whole life. I'm well aware of all the places that I've been oppressed, but I'm not as aware of the places that I've been doing the oppressing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, I would just I would encourage people to be curious about um, what has what they have learned and the hermeneutic they've grown with, and to be able to realize that if Jesus is present and at work there, and He meets us in reality, then it, it might be okay for us to to say, "Jesus, is this right? Can you direct yeah. me uh, in the way I should go?" Um, yeah. I think I think it's a little heartbreaking to realize that you know, we have paradigms that need broken and changed. It's overwhelming. Um, but I think um, some good news I heard from a certain priest not too long ago is that the Holy Spirit is super patient <laughs> and is willing to walk with you and be with you in those things. And so um, as scary as it is to realize, you know, power in a different, in your own doing is being taken yeah. from you. Uh, like the power of heaven is on your side. The power of heaven is guiding you um, into the good work of laying down 
you know, the American power piety that we so cling on to. Well, we just went to church, I think. I'll receive it. <laughs> Preacher, Thank you. Preacher Mallory showed up for us. Thank yeah, God. thanks, Mallory. Ushered it in. Yes, yes. I need more of that All in right, my friends. life. All right. Everybody, yes. thanks for being with us. Mallory, thanks for taking time out of your day. Thanks for uh, yeah. really turning Remy you. loose in your house. Do you know where he is right now? Your three-year-old? Uh, thankfully, he is with his grandparents in Arkansas, or else I'm oh. pretty sure my whole house would have been on fire by now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, those are the lengths you have to go to to get onto a podcast. You have to send your kids to Arkansas. All in Arkansas. <laughs> 600 miles away. I got a podcast scheduled, kids. Right. Time to go to grandma's. You do what you got to yeah. do. <laughs> All right. That's great. All right. Well, All right. Well, thanks, thanks again. Yep. Good to be with you folks. We'll uh, see you next week for another episode in this series. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.